0: Hello, and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. We have been doing a series called The Gift. I trust God is speaking to you. I trust God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit is becoming a story you want to tell, a a there's a a beautiful term that they use in theological sectors called perichoresis, which is a description of the dance of the Trinity. And there's some amazing descriptions. And part of the design of that Trinitarian dance is doing Trinitarian life where we, as the sons and daughters of God, are pulled into this dance with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. They pull us into the Trinitarian story. It's beautiful. It's exhilarating, and, and every time, every now and again, we get stuck on different aspects, and and the Father begins to re- reveal himself, and he reveals sonship, and he reveals his love for us, and he reveals his grace to us, and we go, wow, Father, you're amazing, and then we get revelations, and we sing songs about the cross, and we're reminded of everything Jesus has done for us, and we're like, Jesus, you're exhilarating, and then we get encounters with the Spirit of God. He says, I want to show you things. I want to empower you for things. I want to take you further. I want to speak deep into your soul. I want to pull you into this dance. I, I'm not the one necessarily that, that we, we sing songs about, but I'm always pointing to Jesus. I'm always pointing to the Father, and I want to have a relationship with you. And we spoke in the first week about the, the Holy Spirit is, number one, a person. Number one, God. Perfectly equal in all ways, ontologically, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but economically in the kingdom of God's story, in the mission of God, playing different parts so that the mission of God can be fulfilled. But the Holy Spirit is God, not some third spare wheel to the party, not someone that just they tag along or, or we pull out, remember the lightsaber when we need him. And secondly, that the Holy Spirit is a person. He can be grieved. He has thoughts. He has a will. He, he speaks. He has desires. He, he The Holy Spirit is a person which, if you never knew that before, never understood, there's no incentive, there's no initiative to walk in relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes, God is one, but also God is three, and we have access to have a relationship with God the Father. There's a uniqueness to that relationship. When I sing songs to God the Father, it is different to when I sing songs to Jesus. Because Jesus says, I just came to show you the Father. I just came to make a way to the Father. That's why I came. See the Father. And But you can't see the Father with your own eyes. You need the power of the Spirit of God, the awakening of your soul deep inside, the seared with the promised Holy Spirit. You need that Holy Spirit. You need a relationship with the Holy Spirit to show you and walk you on that journey. It's beautiful. had a funny little moment with a five-year-old the other day, because he's kind of at the age where he's working things out. So he shouts out at breakfast one day, says, Oh, it's Santa Claus time. How's Santa going to get in here? And his brother's like, Nah, you're young. He's not real. So he says, Oh, he's like a ghost. "Uh, no, no. Oh, he's like a holy ghost. <laughs> no, we're getting the guy's copy. Now we do need to teach. But i realized... As we navigate journeys like these, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then many people have been in church for many years and don't realize they have access to a relationship. They don't realize that there are some uniquenesses to the three in one, to the three. And then we worship the one. And there are some big concepts, but it's really important because I believe everything, how we design, the, the description and design of marriage starts in the design and the place of the Trinity. In creation starts in the Trinity. Let us make man in our image. Not God the Father saying, well, I'm dad, so... No, let us make man in our image. Everything comes from our understanding of who is the Trinity. Hierarchy, who is the Trinity. Leadership, who is the Trinity. Authority, who is the Trinity. And how does it work? How can they be perfectly equal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet... Seemingly the Father sends the Son and the Son has to come and die so that the Spirit of God can be sent. How does that work? Well, God's ways are not our ways and God is beyond and higher than us. And I would say it, it has more implications than we, we get. But one of the things that God pulls us into is this big story of His Gospel and we realize we can't do it alone. And at, right at the start of the Acts, we see at the Matthew 28, we get the Great Commission says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. To who? Jesus. He says, therefore, go. Why is go one of the reasons we put it in our partnership? Because we're trying to be like Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We're doing baptism soon. Part of our mandate is to see people baptized in Jesus. And so we do baptisms as obedience to the word of God, not as a preference, as a church. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Wow. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. But you're not Jesus. You're going away. But I am. And he reveals why in Acts chapter 1. He says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command: "Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised." The gift. The gift. That's why we call the series "The Gift," because the Spirit of God is not some circus, um, someone we bring out when we want the church to come alive or we need to have a revival meeting. Oh, we need the Spirit of God now! Come, Holy Spirit. Such a small display, such a small understanding of the access and the power and the potential that we have to walk in relationship with the Spirit of God. He says, do not leave. He says, but wait, which you have heard me speak about. for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Full immersion. When we baptize, it's full immersion. Some people fight, they try to keep their hand above the water. But it's full immersion in Jesus. It's all that I am in Jesus. And then he says, but I also need to baptize you all that you are in the Spirit of God. You don't get to keep your prejudice outside that baptism. You don't get to keep your smallness. You don't get to keep your selfishness. You don't get to keep those things outside of the baptism. Oh, Holy Spirit, give me the power to heal the sick. I'm just going to leave my prejudice over there. We don't get to do that. And he's challenging his disciples. Says, then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you with us at this time? Are you, are, with, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let me start with the end of that sentence and I know Tyler touched on some of this last week and I heard he did a great job. And I know that you were praying this morning because you're wearing a black t shirt, blue jeans and white shoes. I, I mean, I realise that's it. He's got the power. And um, but it starts the essence I'm gonna fill you with power for Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth are not geographical places the gospel's gotta go, they are people. At Samaria was a woman at a well who had a different background, had a different everything. And Jesus engages her. Samaria is not a people. It is a person. And God says, I need to give you power so that people can get to know the Father. He says, but I I will wait there for the gift so that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. What does that mean? Now if you're from different backgrounds, maybe even different denominations, you would have heard some strong teaching around what it means when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You would have understood some different things. You might even have some limitations. I promise you that word power comes from the Dynamus. It means power. It's where we get our word dynamite from. It's power. The Christian walk and the Christian life and this kingdom life that we speak on everything we want to achieve by as a church of reaching for, raising up and releasing wide cannot be done by our own ability to fire ourselves up. It cannot be done by the energy levels which we can muster up because God is so good. We'll kill ourselves and we'll hurt people in the process. We need the power of God. And I've sat with people who are cessationists who don't believe in the power of God and they say that was for the times of the apostles and I look at the Bible and I strongly disagree. But then I've also sat with some people who said that years ago and when their kid got sick, they chose to believe the Bible, which is God still is powerful and He heals and He restores and He redeems and He breaks chains by His power. And He calls us to this empowered life. How, how did Elijah run faster than the horses in a book of Kings? I don't think he was just the Usain Bolt of the day. I think the power of God came upon him. And how did Samson push down those poles? The Bible doesn't tell us Samson was built like Hercules. It just said he was full of the Spirit of God. I don't know, but most cartoons of Samson had bulging muscles everywhere. He barely fits between the poles. He was just trying to get out of there. let that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says he was full of God which means he was full of power, which means he has the ability to do things that in the natural don't seem possible, but our God is not constrained by the natural. And this sign and a wonder of five people gathering say we want to be apart from different backgrounds, different stories, different brokennesses, different everything. God says by the power of God, I'm put you together in a family. I'm going to make it work. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to raise it up to be a sign and wonder to the world. But here's what you need. Wait for the gift To come upon you called the person of the Spirit of God. You need power for this story. And we've mystified some things that aren't that mystic. Like anointing. We use word of anointing. And anointing becomes the one guy who jumps across the screen. And he's excited because he's the anointed one. Now the Bible they said there was only one anointed one. His name was Jesus. And he said you need the power of God because you have an anointing. And anointing is, it, it's this word, miskach, or I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it means to smear. To, to have the Spirit of God, like an oil smeared all over me. It's what it is. It's, it's nothing less. It's not just, I, I need it in my right arm because that's my praying arm. <laughs> it's my right arm. And the first time I preached on this, Uh, I got someone up and I took a five liter bottle of olive oil, not olive oil, the cheap stuff, and um, (laughs) sunflower oil. And I got a name named, a young man named William Smith to stand up. No, not Smith. William. William. We're going to go with William. (laughs) And um, I, I know him really well. That's bad. Lord, I need your power, please. And um, and and, Will stood in front of the church in his fancy clothes. <laughs> you know where this is going. And um, I spoke about the Spirit of God wants to come upon you in every part. And I poured five liters of sunflower oil over him. He stood in a bath in the church. But it's a picture of what God wants to do with us. We can't just, God, I've got a, I've got something wrong with my left arm, so we come to church and we just, we stick our arm through some kind of cubicle and say, God, just touch that part of me. God wants to cover us, He wants to smear us, every part of us, between our toes and in the crevices of our hearts, He wants His Spirit to come upon us. And you know what the amazing with oil is? And why I didn't do it to myself? It doesn't come off easily. And I'm concerned because sometimes I meet people on a Tuesday and God is a mighty God and wonderful God and I'm having amazing times in His presence. By Wednesday morning, the world is hopeless and it's like the Spirit of God is off me and I'm telling you oil doesn't come off that quickly and when I'm smeared with the presence of God, it doesn't leak that quickly. And God says, I want to cover you. I watched. This man was smearing his steak yesterday at a bra. And guys were commenting. He didn't know. But he would walk inside every four minutes and just do this. With his rub on his steak. He was preparing his steak for the bra. It was like a work of art. It's just such a small picture of what God wants to do with Barry. With Jen. With Conrad in business meetings. He wants to smear himself, the spirit of God upon you. So that when you walk in there, there is the shine of the glory of God. And people go, something's different about you. And it's not because of the Christian language you use. And it's not because you're so different from the world. It's because you're so much like God. And too much of the world, the church, are spending so much time trying not to be like the world. And they're throwing love bombs in the world. And they think they're somehow helping them. When my major job and my emphasis has to be, I want to be like you, God. I need your presence in me and upon me. And every part of me needs to be covered. That when I encounter the broken... And I'm standing here yesterday doing a funeral of a 15-year-old girl who commits suicide. I'm going, God, I'm not able to do this. I cannot do this. There's no training school for this. I studied business. How can I be do this? And I've got to get on my knees and say, Father, I need your presence to go with me. Otherwise, this is pointless. Because there's about 50 young people or 15 years old and they've just lost their friend to suicide and they think there is no hope for hopelessness and I tell them, Jesus is your hope for hopelessness. But my words will mean nothing unless the Spirit of God is with me and is upon me and empowering me to break the chains. It's the same for you. And you walk into accounting firms or schools or government buildings or your own business Whatever meeting you walk into, you get to choose who you walk in there as. Do you walk in there as a builder, an engineer, an architect, an accountant, a teacher? Do you walk in as that? Or do you walk in and say, God, thank you for all of that. But I walk in here as a son or a daughter of the living God. Because Peter and James were walking. And they're walking. And there's a guy, he's broken. He's been broken for years and healing comes to him. And it says the people were amazed and they noticed they had been with Jesus. You want to have the anointing of God in your life? Spend time with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And allow their anointing to come upon your life. Mothers at home with children, and it's tough sometimes, and they're not well, and there's challenges, and there's all things. You need the anointing of God to lead those little ones. You need the anointing of God to flow, and it's not some mystical thing you muster up in a closet somewhere. It's the walking daily reality of the drip of heaven into our lives that leaks out into the world around us. The Holy Spirit is in you, but He wants out. He wants out into the world. He wants out into the people who are sitting next to you at work. And you know their marriages are broken. And you know that they are full of fear. And you know that anxiety is just below the surface. And God speaks a word to you. And you're sitting at your desk pumping out a a, a financial report. And God says to your spirit, because you're a son of God or a daughter of God, God says, I want you to speak a word of encouragement to that person. I want you to tell them that God knows them. I want you to speak life to them. Because in this same venue yesterday afternoon, as we wept with those who were weeping, was a lady who came with suicidal thoughts. <laughs> had planned, had... And not the clever words of a preacher. And not the lights of a Church. And not the hosting anything. All of those things are great, but they aren't if they aren't smeared with the presence of the Holy Spirit and with God, the three in one. We are just running the bases called church, and we'll find ourselves back at the beginning, and nothing's changed. But when we run the bases with the power of God, believing that God said, "I want my church to be filled with power," and the the, pro- the challenges, even in church like this, I know, because I used to sit at the back of church for many years, and you think, that is awesome for that guy, or this guy, or maybe that lady over there, but I know who I am. Well, do you? Because if you receive Jesus, you're a son of the living God and he has sent you out with all authority to see the kingdom of God come. And if you're selling a house, you're not just selling a house. You're speaking into people's futures and you can open up possibilities to their life that they didn't know were possible. I'm trying to just open up the possibilities of heaven to you today. And I want to tell you, it starts with this. There's a pursuit. See, there's a pursuit that's happened since the beginning of time. And Genesis 1 starts and... and um, I want to just go there because I'm not going to find it on my iPad. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens on the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. See, there's emptiness. And God says, I'm going to send my spirit to come and hover over your empty waters. The Spirit of God's always been pursuing voids to fill. God's always been pursuing voids to fill. Your life and my life were just vast empty waters, voids, until God the Spirit of God began to hover. And Elliot Sunjika, one of my leaders years ago used to speak and he preached the scriptures, said the Spirit was hoovering over the earth. Hoovering. No, Elliot, hovering. Hoovering. He's still preaching the word of God today. But God wants to hover, and then he wants inside. You see, he's always been pursuing. He's always been pursuing people to place his spirit inside. He's always been pursuing sons and daughters. Even sending Jesus to the cross was a pursuit so that Jesus could leave and the Spirit of God could come into. The Spirit of God has always been pursuing void and formless spaces to invade for the glory of God so that creation, so that miracles begin to happen. That's always been happening. But then when I look at the Exodus, I see another pursuit. You see, there's another pursuit that he calls us to, a pursuit of his people, going on pursuits, following him. And the Exodus story starts with a people oppressed, a void and formless space, and he takes them into a desert. And there's, there's challenges, and there's the plagues, and the, the, they begin to fear, and they cross the Red Sea, and God is with them, they sing a song of deliverance, and they encounter the fiery presence of God, the, the, I always get this one confused, the pillar of fire by day, and the, cloud by night. No, the other way around. When do you need a cloud? By day. You need a pillar of fire by night. Always get that one wrong. And, um, and there's this people that God begins to lead them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and he protects them by a pillar of fire but what is what is the whole purpose of the exodus i don't think the purpose of the exodus was was the ten commandments god could have done that a million ways I, i think god was after something more personal god was after something he'd been after since the beginning of time since the very first scripture in genesis he was after a people who would respond to his pursuing by pursuing him and it ends like this in exodus it says Right up there and it says the glory covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled in it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, wherever they went, whatever mountains they encountered, whatever valleys they encountered, whatever whenever they were weeping and whenever they were rejoicing, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day and the fire was in the cloud by night in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. When I look at that, I see a people who've learned to trust their God. I see a people who are pursuing where God goes. They are seeking out. They are putting their energies to saying, God, where are you leading? And when God, there seems to be open doors. That's why I'm an anti-door, open-door preacher guy. Have you ever heard one of those? I'm that guy. Because I don't think God is a door opener. He's not a doorkeeper. He's the whole of the world keeper. And he leads us. And he calls us to be on a pursuit to know him more, to trust him more, to follow him more. He pursued us so that we could spend our lives pursuing him. Not in a slavery position. Not in a position of I'm a desperate child looking for a father. No, as sons and daughters who know that their father is leading them and taking them on a journey. really not getting to where I wanted to speak today, but God pursued you so that you could go on a journey in these short years that we have to pursue him. To go on a pursuit, you know, you've got to do, you've got to give up some other pursuits. I've watched people pursue careers and you want to be a doctor well, you're going to study for a whole bunch of years, which means you're going to have to give up some stuff to pursue that career. And you want to pursue that woman, What means you've got to give up your other pursuits, buddy. Yes, Barry. (laughs) You you want to go on a pursuit? There's a single-minded attention that's required to successfully pursue. And I think God is speaking to us. I think God is challenging us that maybe when we started the series, you didn't even know the Holy Spirit was a person. Maybe you didn't know the Holy Spirit was equal part of God, but pulling us into the story, maybe you didn't know that the Holy Spirit wants to empower and smear your life with the glory of God wherever you sit. Maybe you didn't know that. Well, now you know that. Now there's a responsibility on the knowledge that you have. What are you going to do with it? Because we've called the series The Gift. And like I started out, some gifts you wish weren't given. Why? Because it's a bright orange jersey. And you don't wear bright orange jerseys. But you know your friend went and found you a bright orange jersey. And they want to see you wear the bright orange jersey. Now you have a responsibility to wear the bright orange jersey. But you don't want to. Bad example. But a little bit like the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've been given a gift. And with the giving of that gift, there comes the responsibility To have the Holy Spirit smeared upon our lives. With being given the gift comes the responsibility. To find the courage over our insecurities to pray for the sick. We've been given the responsibility to speak the unctions of God inside our lives out. Out. And we've got people doing life coaching and people, leaders in business. And, and sometimes your strategic mind that God gifted you with is going to speak in life. And sometimes the Spirit of God is wanting to speak out of you, through you, and into scenarios. But it comes with a responsibility. And unlike an orange jersey you can take back and change for a blue one, the Holy Spirit is God. You don't get to give Him back. You get to submit and surrender to God. You get to say, God, I will pursue you. In the quiet times, I'll pursue you when I'm rejoicing and I'll pursue you when I'm weeping. And I'll pursue you with others and I'll pursue you in the places that don't make sense. And I'll pursue you when the enemy's pursuing me. I won't give my attention to the enemy. I'll give my attention to God because my victory is not in defeating an enemy. My victory is in God. And when I get these things, life, the abundant life that John ten, 10 promises starts to become a reality in our lives. And God says, I've got this for you, my children. It's a gift. You have to do nothing. Jesus paid it all. Not just so that you could be known as a Christian. No, I don't want you to just be known as a Christian. I want you to be full of Christ-like power called the Spirit of God. I want you to be full of God. I want you to be full of dudamus power. Dunamus power. And maybe you've been saved for 40 years and you never laid hands on the sick or start today. Because when they laid hands on the sick and they got healed, people noticed before they'd noticed they'd been with Jesus. They said they were unschooled, ordinary men. Unschooled, ordinary men. And I stand up at a funeral of a 15-year-old girl and I have no words to say. I'm just an unschooled, ordinary man. But God isn't. And God is powerful. And God does everything. We sang this morning. He breaks the chains. He sets people free. He releases life and power. So the kingdom of God keeps extending and advancing into the darkest, worst place of the world. And here's the promise. You're a part of that story. It's not for the preacher man guy. Church has messed it up they made this somehow a portal to heaven and that the spectator seats. It's the greatest lie. I'm just a petrol pump attendant pouring out what God gives me to pour out in the role that I play and an army goes out. God says, wait, can we stand for a moment, please? Maybe we could close our eyes. I know time is rushed. I know it's a few minutes to 10. I know all those things. But God said, wait. And I I think inside of you today, inside of each and every one of us, there's a desire for the more of God. Anyone else here? I've walked with God most of my life. And I wake up every day believing God there's more. I've laid hands on the sick. I've seen healing. And I wake up every day and the promise of God's word is there's more. But the more isn't in your ability to do it. The more isn't in your ability to conjure up some emotion. The more isn't in more church meetings. The more isn't in any of those things. The more is. See, we sang the song, open up the gates. Let the king of glory come. And I promise you, one of the most powerful and strong gates that have ever existed, exists in your mind. That says, God, not me. And a gate comes down. And the Spirit of God wants to come through the preaching of the Word and the truth of His Word and lift up the gates so that the Spirit of God can come in. Bring life to your story and my story and our story. He says, I'm going to respond to hunger and to thirst. I'm going to respond to hunger and to thirst and to believing me. So the gates of belief have to come up so that God can do miracles in your life. And some of you have had words spoken over your life. And some of you have felt in times with God that you would lay hands on the sick and healing and wholeness come. But gates come down and shut it off. And I'm telling you, it's not about you. It's about God. It's about His Spirit. It's about His dunamis power for your life. And you can spend a thousand hours in counseling training. But without the Spirit of God in that place, I promise you, you might help people for the next days of their life, and, and they'll be but you won't be able to lead them to life that is the Father. And God wants to use us for that. All of us. In the different spaces and places we walk, wherever we fed, tre- tread our feet, His Spirit is there, His life is there, the possibilities of heaven are there. But He said, Will you receive the gift? My parents recently, for my fortieth birthday, a friend of mine decided to give my parents an extravagant gift. And my dad, I could see, was struggling with it. He really struggled. He said, "No, it's it's your birthday. It's for him. Uh, uh, it's not for me. I can't." We struggle to receive. You know that? We we think we're good at it. We're not. But I'm going to ask this. I would ask that you would receive the Spirit of God. Maybe you've been baptized in the Spirit of God before. Maybe you haven't. I don't really care what terminology you use. I just want the Spirit of God to smear you with His touch. And I want you to encourage you to go on a journey of saying, God, whether you're in your one-bedroom flat at home or the mountains of our city, you see, in those places you have access to say, God, will you smear me with your promised Holy Spirit? Would you give me the gift? Because I need your power so that your gospel can go to Goodwood and to the southern suburbs into the Boerland and to Africa and to the Middle East. I, I need your power. You need his power and I need his power. To raise your kids, you need power. To walk out the calling of God in your life, you need power. And I don't give it to you. The Father says, I give you, I give you. And right now, if you're saying, Mark, I want to walk in something of that. I need to move forward. The gates are coming up, and I want the Spirit of God. Won't you just put out your hands like this? Just to receive. I don't know how you receive a gift, but I watched my boy receive gifts yesterday. And his hands were out, and he said, thank you. Come, Spirit of God, we are waiting. We it's not about the environments. It's not about the right piano chords. It's about the promise that the father of how much more? The father who doesn't break his promises said, I have a gift for you. But it's not just for you. So that you would be a part of a story called the Trinitarian love of perichoresis, the kingdom of God, the advancing of the mission of God to touch the ends of the earth, And nothing less to take the limitations of your life. I give you the Spirit of God. I give you God. I give you the counselor. I give you the advocate. I give you the dunamis of heaven. I give you the one who changes it all. I give to you a gift. Receive the gift. You don't need hands laid on you. No one laid hands on the disciples. The Spirit of God just came. Receive the gift. Thank you, Spirit of God, you are here. We wait for you. We long for you. Break our walls down, Lord, the limitations of our lives, the lies of the enemy. Come, Spirit of God, anoint your people with power, never to be the same again.